You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M, and today, let's focus in on the defense. We just heard yesterday talking from Mike Elko, the A&M defense coordinator, a little bit of talking for the defensive players. Let's break down that press conference as they prepare for a battle with Sam Howell, who's going to be a top-tier quarterback in 2021 in the 2020 Orange Bowl. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this a more quality-sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a shout-out, give me a follow, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12-man related content. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. Before we talk on any of that, Texas A&M basketball started off the year last night with the SEC opener against LSU. Now, the Tigers are a good team, and Will Wade has always made this game very, very special, but... Quentin Jackson decided to posterize an LSU defender on his way to an alley-oop that was the highlight of all of college basketball outside of an upset of number five, the University of Houston losing to, I believe it was Tulsa last night. Jackson's aerial dunk was phenomenal, and it's what Buzz Williams probably wants from this team moving into SEC play. The Aggies entered the game at 201 odds, according to betonline.ag, to win the actual national title. Those aren't that good of odds. I believe their odds were even were roughly around the same to win the SEC title, but they came into the game at 5-1. and one. Only one loss in non-conference play going into this. The difference is, LSU also had one loss going into conference play. So, the competition seems pretty fair between these two. Last season, the game of the year, in my opinion, outside of beating Auburn inside of the Plains of Auburn, was this LSU matchup at home at Reed Arena. This game, however, was in the Bayou Swamps, and that's where Cameron Thomas scored a career-high 32 points, while Darius Day scored 18 with 10 rebounds, as the Tigers were able to beat Texas A&M 77-54. Now, the true freshman Thomas now has 520-plus scoring games this season, and he's probably going to be considered a high pick when the NBA draft comes in next season. He leads the uh, NCAA with the most scores of 20-plus points in the nation, and he's 10th in scoring per game. Quentin Jackson scored a team-high 17 points while Emmanuel Miller averaged 14. Uh, They now will be able to close out the weekend, uh, this actual upcoming Saturday, with hosting Auburn and Bruce Pearl. Well, a loss to LSU is not great, but it's not the end of the world. I mean, you look at the numbers for the team. They played pretty well in the first half. Uh, They played pretty well in the second half. It was a 36-27 deficit in the second half. The first half was 41-27. So they played a lot better defensively in the second half. And this is what A&M was kind of last year. They were a second-half team. If they allowed players or, or opponents to score often early... They were kind of left out of the picture in the second half. And it cost them a couple wins, which, you know, that happens in basketball. But they started to show why possibly they were one of the teams to watch for in 2020. You had um, 
you know, you look at the, the shooting for players and you look at the numbers for players. Miller averaged the most uh, most time yesterday at 34 minutes. Quentin Jackson averaged 33. Aaron Gor- um, Andre Gordon averaged 31. Gordon was 2 of 4 from the three-point line. He was 3 of 9 shooting overall. Uh, the team averaged a 38% uh, in front of the arc, they averaged a 19.2% behind the arc. The biggest problem that I have with this team is one that is kind of gimme points that I consider, and it's free throw percentage. They're averaging right now 53.8 per shot. Meanwhile, when you look at the difference, 88.9 was the favor for the Tigers. Now, LSU, of course, had better shooting overall, 46% uh, from field goal range, 33.3% from behind the arc, but... Free throws are so essential. I don't think a lot of people realize. Little things like that are the difference of what makes a team really complete. You can be good on defense, and you can have a couple of big-time plays where you allow a breakaway that goes to an alley where you allow you know a couple of threes back-to-back because of a quick shot as the clock is about ready to expire. There's a lot of different things that you can look at. But free throws for a team average needs to be in that 80 range. A couple of missed free throws from big men, yeah, I get. If you're a shooting guard, if you play the one, if you play the two, you got to be pretty close to nearly perfect. And you should be. And you look at the team last night, overall, the guys who play the positions really struggled. Quinton Jackson was perfect 4 for 4. Miller, 2 for 5. He's a big man. I get that. Bradford, 0 for 2. You want him to shoot a little bit better. Jonathan Aku, big man, one for two. So, again, it's one of those things where if you play your role, play it right. And 53% just is a lot. It It's not good. And it's never going to be good. It'll be interesting to see where the Aggies go from here. Listen, Buzz Williams did a phenomenal job last season. I think that with the whole COVID protocol this year, we still are in a flux of what could happen what the future holds for the sport. Uh, But having a game at home at Reed Arena, when you faced off your most monumental win last season, coming against Auburn, to be able to play Auburn at home, maybe that's the kick that you need. Auburn already is in a little bit of trouble. Everyone already knows the story behind Auburn basketball. So when you look at this team, I believe that they're going to be in a very good spot to figure out what direction they're going to go in this regular season. But a game against Auburn... On January 2nd, same night as the Orange Bowl. Not a lot of people are going to be paying attention to that game, but they should because Auburn can at least, I think, lead you in the right direction. Guys, this episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar. Now, you know the Built Bar code of the past 12 original flavors, raspberry, German chocolate cake, peanut butter, banana nut bread, so on and so forth. Now, with caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, and apple almond crisp, there's a now 18 varieties for you to choose from. The bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew with their warm nougat center. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy because it can help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. It's because the bars are low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and great for the person on the keto diet. I eat a peanut butter brownie one every single time I go work out because it has 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs, and it costs a fraction of the price. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Stop eating those salty sweets and enjoy a treat that will meet your needs. Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. 
Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Paul Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, betting on the college football playoff doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick-hitting advice to make you the smartest wagers possible. Subscribe to Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcast listening systems. So Texas A&M's defense is going to be going up against one of the top quarterbacks in the country. A lot of people probably don't know this because he's not draft eligible. And since he's not draft eligible and not at the same level as Trevor Lawrence, we don't talk about him the same way. But Sam Howell in his two years at North Carolina has been one of the most productive quarterbacks, not only in the ACC, but in all of college football. The sophomore North Carolina native has thrown for 6,993 yards in two seasons, averaging 9.5 yards per throw, 68 touchdowns against 13 interceptions, and has a QBR rating of 169.7. More impressive than any of that is his back-to-back years of completion rating. 61.4 his freshman year, 69.1 this past season, while throwing for 27 touchdowns against six interceptions with an rating of 182.2. Howell also is very effective running the ball in the red zone, scoring uh, five touchdowns a season, averaging 1.5 yards per carry, but 121 total rushing yards on 80 attempts. This was a team that featured two premier running back prospects in Michael Carter and Javonta Williams, both of which have opted out for this game, but both also were 1,000-yard rushers. Combined with Howell, they scored 34 of the 35 rushing touchdowns this season, for the likes of the North Carolina Tar Heels. Howell has been blessed with the likes of talent around him, including Michael Carter, Javante Williams, both of which finished with over 1,100 rushing yards on the year, but also Dami Brown, who finished with 1,000 yards receiving in eight of the teams, I believe it was 29 touchdowns, 28 touchdown passes. All three of them have opted out for this bowl game, which means the only weapon that's really going to be available for him is Daz Newsom at wide receiver, and in the running game, they're going to rely heavily on DJ Jones and Elijah Green. If you combine their stats, they just have over 110 yards on the year, zero touchdowns. However, no matter who opts out, Mike Elko is not taking it lightly. He said Tuesday during the team's press conference that they have a high respect for the likes of UNC and more importantly, what the team can bring to the table with younger talent. I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, obviously we have a tremendous amount of respect for the North Carolina program. Uh, Max done a great job recruiting there since he's been there. Uh, Obviously, those are extremely talented players uh, that have chosen Uh, not to play in this game, but uh, we're operating under the firm belief that there are more talented football players in that program that they're going to put in and and easily fill those roles. One thing you have to give a lot of credit to with Mac Brown is he's an older guy. I I mean, this isn't a young coach who knows how to recruit alongside the Nick Sabans of the world. And while Saban, you know, does a great job of recruiting every single year, he also has had really good assistants that have really helped promote the recruiting. I mean, look at Ole Miss and what they're going to do now with Lane Kiffin. They weren't able to get that with Matt Luke. However, you look at the history of the last three years Brown has been coaching, and North Carolina is in a very, very, very good spot. They're going to finish again this year in the top 15 in recruiting. The first year they finished top 25 in recruiting, and I think they were 17th last year. So they keep moving up the ranks with an older coach keeping talent in North Carolina. Now, again, 
You look at North Carolina, the state, and you look at the other schools around it. Virginia Tech, as at least for the past up and down 20 years under Frank Beamer and Justin Fuente, been serviceable as a program. In South Carolina, you have Clemson, and Clemson is talented. More than that, you have South Carolina, the Gamecocks, which is an SEC program. And you look at the competition in the SEC, it is very similar to that of what would be minor league football. All that adds up to is a team that shouldn't be as good as they are with an older coach. But Brown instead has been very similar to what Herm Edwards is out west in Arizona State. He's older, but he's known how to connect with these players to a high level to get them to commit and play underneath his regime. And the regime has worked. Last season, the team finished 7-6, and six, and they got their military bowl win. This season, they finished 8-3. and three. So in the last two years, he has nine losses. He's 4-4 four and four in conference play in 2019. He's 7-3 in conference play in 2020. And he has a total of uh, 15 wins. So 15-9 and nine is not a bad record for a 69-year-old who probably shouldn't be coaching, and hasn't coached since 2013. Some might argue that North Carolina got in because of, you know, statistics or whatever you really want to say, because they did finish fourth in the ACC, but they are a decent team, and they did show why they were dangerous at times, taking a team like Notre Dame all the way down to the last eight minutes of the game. But on top of all that, Brown has a way to recruit. So it's a chance for the 2021 Tar Heels to kind of step up and show what they're made of for the future of the program well past the likes of Carter and Williams and Brown. I brought this up yesterday, and I think it needs to be brought up again because Elko brought this up as well. Since the history of the college football playoff and the New Year's Six games have come to pass, the number five seed has lost four times. They've only won twice since coming into fruition with this whole Coswell playoff in the last six years. A&M is the five seed this year. They were a game away from making it into the Coswell playoff, so the expectations probably aren't as high. Now, again, you look at what happened with Georgia, back-to-back years being ranked number five. First year, they lose to Texas, and we're back happens. Last year, they go out and they beat Baylor soundly. But how do you prepare, knowing that you were a game away from playing in the biggest game of your life, to playing in a bowl game that... End your season no matter if you win or lose. Elko had something to say about that. Obviously, you know, we believe we had a tremendous season, um, but that was that was for that day. Uh, the day after that, you, you kind of implore that same 24-hour rule, which is um, it's on to the next task. And for us, the next task is uh, winning the New Year's Six Bowl, uh, playing our type of football, playing the way we're capable of playing of in the Orange Bowl, um, you quickly get a really talented opponent in front of you and you start watching film on them and you realize uh, how much energy and effort this thing's going to take for us to go out there and have success in this game. Um, and it becomes a really easy transition to just move on to the next thing. That's kind of the reality of it. A&M has to prepare for the game ahead. And even though they may feel like it's kind of a lesser game, especially now that you're losing so many players to opt-outs, it still is a good game. You're still playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. You still have a shot to win your New Year's Six Bowl, which then would move you up the rankings, putting you back into higher than the top five, actually the highest ranking you've been since 1939 in the AP and coaches poll rankings, and in the new college football playoff rankings, whole different story, that'd be the highest you've ever been. And you have a shot to really do it against a team 
that I think is going to be on the rise for the next few years. We start looking at these programs and how teams are going and what direction they're headed in, and you see the progress. I think an Iowa State team has a good year. I don't think that they're, that's going to last because the coach that is good, I think eventually will get his shot to go somewhere else, a much bigger program. I think the Notre Dames of the world, they're great stories, but they're losing their quarterback. They're losing a lot of linebackers. They're losing a lot of defensive players. They're going to be good in a few years. Are they going to stay in the ACC after what we saw this year? Clemson, they're a powerhouse, but they can be taken down. It's proven they can be taken down. Alabama eventually is going to be gone. Nick Saban eventually is going to call it quits. This is a team, North Carolina, starting to grow under Mac Brown. And whoever takes over after him, if, especially if it's a guy that is up and coming and rising, good program, good fit, good school. A&M, Jimbo Fisher's there 10 years. You got 10 years to turn the ship around. This could be a matchup of what we see in the future of college football in the national championship. So take it for what it is. You're going to be facing off against a great team that eventually could become a powerhouse team. You are a great team, and you eventually could become a powerhouse team. Make the most of an opportunity. The college football season is winding down, but the bowl season is just beginning. And with that, it also is time to start looking ahead at the NFL playoff picture. With all that in mind, you're going to want to start making some bets. And there's only one place out there that has you covered and one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. The top games are always available with the best lines that you could possibly find. So sign up at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for 50% off your welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action with up-to-date coverage that you can always listen to on Locked On Bets. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON on betonline.ag to get 50% off of your welcome bonus. Make sure you go always check us out on social media at BetOnlineAG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbooks experts. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M. Wednesdays are Locked On NFL. Takes a dive into the future of your favorite NFL franchises. Cody Wiggins and James Rapine join every Locked On draft expert to talk about prospects in the upcoming draft and young NFL players fresh out of the league. Did your team have a big rookie performance this week? Are they shaping in to be the next premier draft pick of 2021? Get everything you need on Wednesdays at Locked On NFL. Subscribe to Locked On NFL wherever you get your local podcast listing systems. Texas A&M has had one of the better run defenses in the SEC this season. In fact, one of the best in the country when you really break it down. However, there are some teams that were able to get a big-time rushing attack against them. But with Michael Carter out, and of course with Javante Williams out, there's no real storyline about this rushing attack. Last season, the Aggies went up against Chuba Hubbard, where he set a new LFBS record in rushing. You won't have that this time around, because the two backup running backs combined for 110 yards, zero touchdowns on the entire season. Elko did speak about it, saying that in those games that they did face off against more run-heavy teams, there really wasn't a difference of preparation versus less heavy run teams. Um, no, I don't know if there were common themes. Um, I think, um, you know, I think in this in this in this day and age with offenses attacking you sideline to sideline, it, it takes a tremendous amount of discipline to defend the run because you're not just defending. Uh, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust anymore. Um, and so I think 
um, anytime you get lapsed in, in what you're trying to do and how you're trying to fit something and, and where your eyes are supposed to be, anytime that relaxes in any way, shape, or form, you put yourself at risk to give up big plays in the run game. And uh, I, I would say maybe um, in, in some different ways that led to, to some of the, the lack of execution uh, in the games where people were able to run the ball. He's got a point. Because if there are teams out there, like the Alabamas of the world, who can beat you with the run with Najee Harris, they can beat you with the pass with Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, and Mac Jones. Then there are teams like Florida, who the Aggies did a pretty good job of containing. Now, the Aggies defense did allow Kyle Trask to throw for four touchdowns and 312 yards, but the best run of the day was an 11-yard run by Nick Wright. And the team was held to 90 total yards and only one rushing touchdown on the afternoon. Meanwhile, Isaiah Spiller, Anaya Smith, and Kellen Mond combined for 205 yards and two scores, while Mond threw another three touchdowns with 338 passing yards on 35 attempts. It just shows that because of the way that college football is moving, very similarly to the way the NFL is moving, you pass more. So now you need to have defenders that can play a little bit of both, which is why I think that nickel-dime position is so important to a team that has to play balanced football. You need to have a guy who can play well in coverage, and a weak side linebacker may be good enough to handle it if he's a bigger flex tight end, but if not, you probably are going to take him out more times than not for the strong side linebacker to go play the run and let the middle kind of control everything. That's just kind of the way that it works nowadays when you really think about it. And you take away that pass rushing element because you need to play someone in coverage or someone who can at least be very effective in run support. That's where a guy like Devin Morris, a guy like Leon O'Neal, a guy like Damani Richardson, they all play it very well. And that's why when you look at teams that have run well against them, they've had bad games. That extra hybrid defender is really important. And that's why you started seeing players such as Jeremy Chin for the Carolina Panthers at Southern Illinois. Why you see players like Isaiah Simmons who aren't limited to playing just linebacker or safety. They just line up in the slot and do a little bit of everything for the franchise. That's why they are effective and that's why these teams need them. But again, the whole conversation today is about Sam Howell. And Howell is one of the main focuses in the 2022 NFL Draft. Everyone is going to be going after Howell. Everyone believes Howell can be a guy that really is talented. He has all the tools to be effective. But more than that, you look at the way that the team ran. 34 rush, 35 rushing touchdowns on the year. 28 passing touchdowns. Pretty close to being the most balanced offense, I would say, in the ACC. And when you prepare for a team like that, you have to be willing to watch more than just one game film on them. You have to be able to watch your team, how they've played against balanced defense uh, offenses all season. That's what Elko and the team did. Um, yeah, I think I think you know this game is going to be a lot about um, winning one on one matchups. I think the way they play offense, they're gonna they're gonna spread you from sideline to sideline. Um, if you commit numbers to the run, they're gonna throw it. Uh, if you try to commit numbers to the pass, they're going to run it and, and they're going to put their kids in space um, where they're getting one-on-ones. And so um, in different ways across the board, we're going to have to find ways to win one-on-one matchups, whether that's uh, up front 
uh, O-line versus D-line so that we can play boxes where we're, we're able to stop the pass a little bit cleaner. Um, or when we do commit to the run that we're winning one-on-one on the outside uh, with our DBs. I think that's, that's the, that's the trick to these, these high powered offenses that go sideline to sideline. Like someone has to win somewhere uh, in order for you to be successful. Long story short, and we'll end it with this, win your battles. The more battles you can win, the less opportunities a team has to score. And it's not about scoring consistently. It's about scoring in the moments that are made for you. So, let's just break it down. When they decide to run on third and three, you take away the rushing attack. You then make Howell have to find Daz Newsome. Make him have to find another receiver. Make him have to find his tight end. Which then means play better at the front. Play more man or play a zone coverage like a cover four. Or uh, a co- or yeah, a cover four or a cover two, where your cornerbacks are staying back, your linebackers are playing the flats, where your safeties are staying deep, and you can't win because there's a player in every zone that can come up and make the play. First down, take away the rushing attack, make them have to throw it. Second down and short, make them have to run it. Take away the passing attack. The more battles you win, the better you are set up to allow your offense to score as many points as possible. And ultimately, you're going to have to score a lot in this game, in my opinion. I think the defense still is pretty good for North Carolina. I know the defense for A&M is great. If the offense can come out and make some big-time plays, they're going to be in a very good spot to walk away with a massive victory over the Tar Heels. That's going to do for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow's show, let's break down the five players who most impressed in 2020 and five players who are definitely going to be in for a big time game this upcoming weekend. Give me a shout out. Give me a follow. We'll see you then. And remember, gig on y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.